Disclaimer. The hosts of this podcast, Timothy Patrick and Will Foley, are by no means professionals. However, having lived experience with mental illness themselves, they have gained useful perspectives on common mental health issues that some of us struggle to overcome on a daily basis. By sharing their stories, they hope to create connection. By creating connection, they hope to help you find your purpose. And through purpose, we can all begin to build the foundations for positive mental health. This is the Above Ground Podcast. Are you ready to lace up your boots, throw up your horns, and jump into the pit? Then let's stomp the stigmas of mental illness. It's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now, Will Foley and Timothy Patrick. What is up, everyone? Welcome to Above Ground Podcast. Above Ground Podcast, because you can't serve below. Hard to believe we are 12 days away from the 2020 Out of the Darkness Walk for Rita, which benefits the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Here in Saratoga Springs, New York, in the 518, if you're in the 518, or if you're not, you can go online and you can find a walk in your community because we need people to come out and support these walks because that's how we raise awareness and that's how we connect and that's how we raise funds to bring our free programs to organizations and to schools and to people because what it's all about is getting into the communities that you serve and you can't do that unless you have programming and you can't have programming unless you have funding and we all know that that's what happens. So our team, Patrick Shamrock's, is the team that was formed in honor of our good friend, Pat Reardon, that we lost to suicide in 2019. And not a day goes by that Pat is not in our memory or around us. And we miss him every day. And that's why we do this. We do this because we need to. And I say this a lot I have a stamp on my birth certificate now that says I need to help somebody. My birth certificate, like a passport, says, okay, you've earned this. Now you need to help someone else earn it also. So please uh, support support the AFSP, support Patrick Shamrocks. We're going to put the links to our team pages in our show notes, and you'll find them on our personal pages and the Above Ground Podcast pages all over the Internet, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Tumblr, all above, all at Above Ground Podcast, except for Twitter's Above Ground Pod. And please connect with us online. And anybody out there who has connected with us that's sent us requests about being on the podcast and interviews, I'm getting to you. I'm coming. We got a whole new year starting in 2021, and we got some awesome stuff coming up. And we're also working on some stuff back here in the background that we're super stoked about, man. So, Bear with us. Uh, Tim and I are doing the best we can, just like you guys out there. And, you know, hey, we're in this together. This week's interview is Michael Shook. Uh, Michael Shook is a retired educator. He is originally from the 518. And I want to thank Patty, Patty Quaid for setting me up with this. Uh, Michael's a great guy. Um, I've spoken to him a bunch of times. And... When we recorded this interview, uh, neither one of the wildfires in in Southern California were going on. So he is uh, in Riverside County, and he is kind of sandwiched in between two fires now. Uh, There was one that was close to his house, the El Dorado. He was about 30 miles away at the time. Last time I talked to him about a week and a half ago, and um, now there's a second fire on the opposite side of him, and uh, they're kind of sandwiched in between. So uh, our thoughts, best wishes, and all that positive energy we got to send to our brothers and sisters on the West Coast, man. The West Coast has been decimated by wildfires this year. And when people lose everything, their mental health is, is going to suffer. And that's why we do what we do. And uh, because we want people to know that there's out, out there, there's people who care. So please... Support what you can, but this week's episode is called Owl Shook Up. Oh.
Yo, what is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Above Ground Podcast. Above Ground Podcast. Because you can't serve below. That's right. And you know who that is. Are you down with TPP? Why, yes, you knew me. That's right. It's Timmy, man. What's up, Timmy? How are we doing What's this up? week, buddy? Uh, we're doing okay, man. Doing yeah. okay. Sun sun popped out a few days, and uh, the lumens are shining a little brighter. Ah, I like it. I like it. Yeah, mine too, man. Mine too. Mine been... Mine been mine been beaming at probably a good seven like the last week, man. Which for good to me hear. Is, yeah, which for me is that's that's pretty big news for me. Because uh, <laughs> those stage lights don't get that bright those most of the time anymore. So uh, we're on. So this week again we're on Zoom. So that means it must be another. It must be another interview episode, and it is. And tonight we have above ground interviews. That's right. Tonight our interview is with. Uh, well, I don't know if I would call them an interview. Our 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 above ground shares, I should say, because we're really just helping people share their stories and sharing information. That's what we're really doing. But uh, our our guest tonight is Michael Shook, and Michael is a West Coast resident, and uh, he is a educator and he is retired and he's got a lot of experience in mental health and he's got an incredible story so i'm going to turn it over to michael michael thank you so much for being on the show man we appreciate you being here hey will hey, hey tim thank you very much for for having me today it it is indeed here on the west coast uh, out here in beautiful sunny southern california which is in the midst of a backbreaking heat wave right now it's about 5.30 in the evening when I'm talking, and it's still over 100 degrees. And, Ooh, that's uh, hot. Yeah, it, it's hot. And, uh, but, you know, uh, it's diagonally across the United States from where I was born, which is uh, right in the Albany area, in the Capital District area, where summer, I think, is between July 18th and July 21st. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. But but I think it's like it's like right, that might be Colorado, so I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Sound, that kind of does sound like our summers back it's in the like day. A, not anymore, back, though. No, actually, no. You're right. Now tornadoes and hurricanes and and hot weather, and it's like you know, it's like the best and worst of the Gulf Coast. And so, but I don't think you guys have earthquakes. No, you know, I live not. I live I live on the San Andreas Fault. Well, I live on the Hemet Fault line of the San Andreas Fault. Wow. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, oh yeah, it's a, uh, it's it's a trip every week <laughs> here. Within, like as as they they put the they put like uh, where I live in a little city called Hemet, which is just outside of L.A., and they put the the like the radius on a circle and they say how many earthquakes happened here within the last you know week or so, and it's usually over a hundred. What? Yeah. Now th that doesn't mean you you can't feel them. You can feel right. them all. That's not what I mean, right. but. No, but I know. Are, I just... Some are ones or twos, but after a while, you get used to it. It's like being on being on a ship. You ever been out to out to seeing a big ship, not a little boat where you you know you're gonna puke your guts out no matter what happens. But on a, a big ship that isn't gyro stabilized, you know you you just get used to walking like that. And um, there's only been a couple times since I lived out here. I lived here for about almost forty years, and um, maybe half a dozen times have I had to to catch things when they fell off the wall <laughs> uh, or, uh, you know, stabilized like the China closet. So it doesn't crash onto the, the dining room table, that kind of stuff. But that's really only been a few times. So in um, other words, you have cat like reflexes. I do have cat like reflexes. <laughs> Actually, I look at the cat and the cats are all freaked out and their fur is all standing on end. It's like, okay, dad, go catch the China closet. <laughs> And they, they point with their little heads and with their little tails and going, oh, okay, yeah, get that one over there before it hits me in the head. We, we have had stuff fall down, but um, but not too much. My sister, and, or my sister, my daughter, in the, in the last place she went to, their TV fell right off the wall and uh, fell onto the floor and crashed in a zillion pieces. Um, but um, otherwise, not too bad. I, uh, and here's a, here's a not-so-subtle segue is that I live in Southern California because it's diagonally opposite from where I grew up. And uh, one of the reasons for that is because 
my my life as a child was so affected by the mental health and the mental illness of my of uh, my my mom. My mom was a uh, let's see now now you would call her a uh, probably a manic depressive schizophrenic, but uh, back then she just had mood swings. And um, so I'm, I'm glad to, to talk about some of those things, my experiences today, and how they they changed my life and how they they actually shaped my career. And well, thank um, you. yeah, thank yeah. you for coming on to share this, man. This yes, is, sir. Uh, this is important stuff, man. Yes, sir. I will just one one of the things that um, I remember is like a really vivid memory of of me as a kid was was my mom saying please just give me a kiss before you go to school today michael because i'm i'm going to kill myself while you're at school and then she put me on the bus Jeez. Yeah. yeah um and, and she did not she eventually did kill herself but it wasn't when i was you know in second grade uh she eventually did did commit suicide um and she she did get some help, but that's that's kind of like a it's one of those things like when you think back to your childhood and I mean I'm I'm old enough now I have a bunch of years in between that but some things really stick out um, and that's one of them. No, that, that happened a couple of times. Don't get me wrong, that, that did happen a couple of times. It wasn't just wasn't just once. Um, or like we get up. There were four of us. We were. Um, I'm not sure how to politely say this. I'll just say there was five years and four kids. And so we were a real short amount of time in between kids. So it was a, a handful of kids. And I've always been a kind of energetic sort of fellow. Um, back then, you know, if, I, if, I, if it was me now as a kid, I'd be in Ritalin and in the counselor's office and learn how to anger management and you know control my energy and all that but back then i just had energy where do you fall in the age spectrum with your siblings i'm the oldest okay yeah yeah so you had to be the protector too then i i did actually so i was a yeah, survivor so. and a protector i don't know if you guys are into family constellation therapy but yeah i'm like the i can't remember the exact word but basically the the protector. Yeah, um, that's kind of what I was gathering from that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there was a lot of times when, when I did get a little older. My mom worked. She she didn't work until my youngest sister went into uh, kindergarten, and so it was like maybe there was I think just five years in between. It's five and a half years between us, and then she went to work, and she worked midnight shifts. And Sho said, because you know, it was nice and quiet and peaceful, and you know, I can imagine it was true. Um, but it made for an interesting household when one of your parents works regular shift, and then and then the other parent is asleep for most of the time that you're that you're home. And so, it got to be somewhat later in life, maybe five years after the really troubling times, that I would be responsible for getting her up, basically. And getting her moving in the morning. If I'm, I don't know if you guys have kids. I don't mean to to say anything about that. But you know, you get your kids up in the morning, and hey, come get up to school, get your shoes sure. on. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, I had to do that for my mom, and oh, yeah. that was, and I was ten, and so that's that's a little odd to listen to your mom going, "Oh, please, just give me five more minutes, please." And when wow. she'd already wrote a note say, "You know, wake me up at five or five thirty or whatever." And, it's like you put the coffee up. on. Say you grew up quick, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I said. My my childhood was real short, and it's probably, you know, I'm still an adolescent at heart. Man, I'm even adolescent, prepubescent at heart in a lot of ways. <laughs> but uh, I managed to, managed to cope. It wasn't that I didn't grow up to be an adult, but I have uh, little parts inside of me. Like we talk about that inner child stuff. What was that popular 20 years ago or stuff? Yeah. And they, when they had yeah, that, it's still went, popular oh, now though. Oh, it a is lot more. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, I think I definitely think nah. that there's a lot more to it than because nah. I definitely think that there's, cause I, I'm, I've, I've spent a lot of time looking at this too, because mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. I listen to your story and your story mm -hmm. is my story. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I, I'm like, and there's a yeah. lot to that wounded child that you leave behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do. I was, I was kind of, I was 
what I tell people is that is that um, there's a reason, and I'm glad that it's there, the Mississippi River, because when I moved across that, I never went back home. I've lived on the desert for, shoot, 30, 32 years, and I've lived in California for like 40, 42 years. Wow. Is it wow. just sales? If it's, is it self-preservation? Is it just you just have no reason to go back, come back? Is it that, is it too painful for you to come back? Is it, is it a little bit of everything? It's, it's part of it's self-preservation. I mean, I created, I don't think I did it on purpose. It's like sometimes you do things and then you don't realize maybe what your motivation was until sometime after that. But it seemed like a true sure. thing when you were doing it kind of intuitively uh, successful. I was, um, um, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to talk without without bragging, but but I don't know how to do that. So please please pardon me because I don't know how else to to say this. I'm not trying to be a, a goofball here. Um, I was really when I went to school. School was where I was safe um, as a, as a child because I knew what the expectations were. When your one of your parents or your primary parent is is bipolar, which my mom which my mom was, um, you never know what it's going to be like when you go home. Right. When you walk in the door, you just you're always going to be, hey, happy, hey, come help me make pancakes for dinner, and hey, let's get the bacon out, or like, I'm just going to sit here and look out the window and smoke these cigarettes until I die. You know, you you, you have no idea. But in school, the rules were set. I mean, pretty much, there's some flexibility, but the, but the rules were set, and I knew what to do, and so that was like awesome. Yeah, that routine, that routine, that yeah. routine helps. Uh huh. Absolutely, and and they figured out how to be successful there. And so it was like, so I was, I was really successful in school. Um, and I don't I, parts of it helped me later in life, part of it not, but I knew what to do because I knew what the rules are and I knew how to get the prize, which was like the gold star or attention or, or whatever it was in the class, not, not being a, not being a goofball, not being a, a, a bad person, but I understood what to do. And so I was, I was, I was really successful at that. Well, you yeah. and, and you would actually be very successful at it because you were the protector of your. Mm -hmm. You you kind of you have that, you have all of the roles of it. Mm -hmm. You have the protector of your siblings. You have mm -hmm. the the parent or the the adult in the in the parental thing. Then you also have the pleaser in you, where you know if yes. that because you needed that. You needed oh absolutely. That. You I needed, needed that, that gold like star, right? Yeah. Right. Yep. I needed that gold star, and um, the, the the backlash of that is when you're done with school, there's nobody to give you that anymore. Right. There's, there's no there's gold no, stars. <laughs> no gold star. There's no like, hey, you can have three three uh, thirty minutes of free time and walk around the school or whatever. You just you, there's nobody to do that. You're just like. <gasps> Not to say it was bad. It wasn't that I couldn't get along, but I was I was lost, and and in the family that I came from, we're a second generation immigrant family, work hard, um, uh, Irish Catholic family. Uh, my grandma was born in Ireland, come here. She lived in Waterloo, and so my dad grew up in Waterloo. My mom lived in the in the Catskills. I'm seriously in the middle of nowhere, like Cobleskill and Jefferson, but in a place that's like. By the time you write out the name of the place, you're in some other town on the map. That's how that's how small it is. And they both met in Waterville, but they were both immigrants in a way. My dad grew up there, but my mom was an immigrant from the country, and his mom was an immigrant from another country. And so they were really, they had certain ideas of what I was supposed to do when I got out of high school. And even though I was really successful at be in school what they wanted me to do was get a job like in I don't know how you guys how long you guys lived in the capital district but they really wanted me to get a job like in Bear Manning or Albany Felt and and keep my head down and stay there and and be okay until I retired yeah none of those companies exist anymore no no they don't I think Albany Felt's condos if it's even existing anymore down yeah I don't even know if that building exists anymore yeah to tell I don't the truth. Know. yeah and bear now, is in one of it, with like let's say high school mm -hmm. did you did you number one did you enjoy 
school? And number two, how did you end up doing in school? I did really well until it was a, a junior. And then all of the stuff kind of hit the fan. Uh, that became a, hmm, an extremely self-destructive person. Um, I got arrested uh, for public intoxication after walking home from a strip club in Cahos. And, <laughs> <I was>, uh, <laughs> and this is this is on a school night, you know, and it's like excellent. They, what was the yeah. name of that club? Do you remember? Yes, Gillies. <laughs> Gillies. Okay. Gillies. Yeah, it was just down from the laundromat. You know, <laughs> and after after I got. Oh, I can't remember the, the street where 32 goes in and goes. I can't remember the name of the street when it's in Cohoes. But um, not 32. 9R. Uh, so, oh, Loudon Road, maybe? Yeah, like like up there. Nine, some kind of nine goes down there. What a nine with a letter after it goes down at Cohoes, past the hospital, and down the hill. Right there you go. Columbia, that's it. That's it. Damn. All right. And I live in Cohoes, too. But I don't remember the name of that street. But thank you. Wow, those memories are great. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I decided to, I decided my 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 friend, my my best friend in high school, uh, and had called me up and said, "Hey, my my brother's friend just got back from Nam, so we're gonna go out drinking. Do you want to go with us? This is ten thirty on a Thursday night, and I'm Oof. a junior in high school." And I said, "Yep." Yeah, sure. I sure do. So I got my school books and I told my dad, yep, going over to study at my friend's house and we'll see you there. So we drove down to this club and and I learned I learned the first time there of how much alcohol I could really I could really handle and it was a ton. It, it, whatever that is, it goes away quick, but it was a ton. <laughs> we wound up putting I mean this is the wintertime, it's like in I don't know, January, February. And uh and the guy we went with, the guy just come back from from Nam, and I wound up putting my friend in the car because he passed out in the bar. Oh, yeah. Oh and then we went back inside to have a few more drinks, and then we drank. <laughs> this is like driving home, one eye shut. You know, everybody puking on the side of the car. Oh, boy, yeah. You know, and and I'm 16. I'm 16 years old. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's like that's like the exemplar of self-destructive but I, I mean i was a very uh just became a very self-destructive person and um i mean you could say those are high school hijinks but the truth was my goal was to like obliterate my my sense of being and uh, i was successful at that for a number of times and i still managed to graduate high school excellent that was awesome um but after that i had nothing i mean there was nothing for me to do um I was in all the classes that were they call them X classes. They were accelerated. They were accelerated. So I did all the math and all the things like a year ahead of time of everybody else. And so I was a nerd. I was just a nerd until I got to be a senior in high school, and I decided I didn't want to do that. So I uh, I refused to go to calculus, and I took ceramics, and I went in all the after school shows. I was into the theater group. And that really suited me, but still, even after school, I was just, after high school was over, I had no idea what to do with my life. So I tried to emulate what my mom and dad wanted me to do, which is get a, you know, a work-a-day job, which, which there isn't anything wrong with. It just didn't suit who I was, but I really tried to put myself into that category. Um, and it, unbelievably enough, it was not successful. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah, not successful at all. I mean, I, I, I worked in lumber yards. I worked in, uh, I hung up clothes in a warehouse. I drove a delivery truck. You know, I was, uh, I worked on construction crews, and none of it, none of it helped, and none of it worked. And I really wanted. It wasn't for lack of trying. I just, my heart wasn't in it. it just, I didn't know what I wanted, but it wasn't that. And. Uh, before that, my mom's youngest sister had uh, she went to Russell Sage, graduated at Russell Sage, and joined the Peace Corps, and she'd gone to Iran. And she and I, she and I were only a few years apart in age. We were, I think, maybe 10, 12 years apart. She's like my older sister, um, and she'd gone off to Iran. And while she was in Iran in the Peace Corps, 
um, she had met a guy from Germany and fall in love and married him and they moved to Germany and she never came home again. So I thought, hmm, here's an interesting model. <laughs> and <laughs> so her husband, my uncle Wolfgang, I have an uncle Wolfgang. Nice. Uh, which is, which is kind of cool. Yep. Yep. And uh, yeah, I have a very, I have a hugely mixed group of folks in my, in my family, which is like pretty awesome. Um, and anyway, so, so Wolfgang told me, he said, if you don't, I don't know if we can curse on this podcast. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. He said, That's if not... you don't get your shit together, boy, you are going to die where you are doing. And um, I said, okay, what do I need to do? And he said, you need to join the military, get your college degree, and move from where you are. And I thought, wow, here's some radical advice from a guy who's in Germany, you know. And uh, But I always appreciate it. So I was... I was working in a house in a place called Niverville. It's down by Chatham. And my buddy and I were doing some construction on somebody's camp there. And it was real close by where I lived, so I went home to have a, a sandwich. And underneath the desk was a newspaper, back when they had actual paper newspapers. Underneath the desk was a newspaper. I picked it up to have something to read while I'm, I'm uh, eating my bologna sandwich, bologna and mustard sandwich on two pieces <laughs> of batter whip sunbeam bread. <laughs> mm -hmm. and they're right in the middle of the page it's like you know it's like a beam of light fell out of the sky and illuminated this one ad and it was about joining joining the navy and um so i thought well this is interesting so i thought and i didn't tell anybody and i called the number and i had to go up to latham mall back when there was actually a mall and oh, yeah, latham I shopping center latham mall, i used yeah. to work there actually and uh you know woolworths there and uh, so this, the shop, the place was there, and they were desperate for people to join the military because this is the, just a couple of years after now, and nobody wanted to join the military. I mean, nobody. And so I went and I took this test, and I scored really good on it, and the guy told me, well, you can do pretty much whatever you want except be in a nuclear submarine. And I said, okay, that's cool. Excuse me. So a month, a month went by. Between the time I saw the ad and a month later, I was on an airplane going to Chicago to Great Lakes Naval Training Center. Um, I was married and had a three-year-old daughter. And um, I just left. And after that, I didn't go back unless someone was dying. And uh, they sent me to San Diego when I was done with training. They sent me to San Diego. And out here, I've lived ever since. Uh, wow. With a, a big wall of uh, safety. The, the trouble with it, the trouble yeah, with it's a big a wall of safety. It's a three thousand mile wall of safety. <laughs> it is. Yep. Yep. Yes, it is. So, and do you feel the that um, maybe Wolfgang words could have? Uh, did they help you persuade you into that? Or it's like the thing, and you already know it, and someone says it, and you go, "Shit, yeah, that's it." It's like the light goes on. And you go, that's it. Now, it wasn't like I'd been exactly thinking about this. That isn't what I Right. Mean. But it's like the, somebody says something or does something. Just made sense. Something. It just made sense that like all the pieces fell into place. And I didn't then, because it was a year and a half later that I joined the military. It wasn't like the next day. Um, hmm. And But all those pieces, and, and he was very direct. And he and I had always got along. You know, which was which was really nice. Um, and uh, Teresa, that was my that was my aunt, and she had she had left also. And I hadn't really realized that why she had gone so far away and stayed away. I mean, I thought about it as a kid, and I was really sad when she left. Um, yeah, she went very far away, though. Germany, oh, she went really other. That's a yeah. whole other level of going far away. Oh, it is. And, and, and it's not that she didn't come back on occasion for a visit, but just like, I mean, she lived there for 30 years and maybe came back, you know, half a dozen times, maybe being being on the, the charitable side of estimating because she she was that person and she also knew that, that there was nothing there for her. Um, it was... Um, it was hard. It was harsh to realize. Sure. Um, and some things you only realize in retrospect. Because um, sometimes it's, I mean, you know, I, yes, I was, I was old enough to have a child, been married for a couple of years, but I was still a kid. You know, I wasn't that I wasn't. 
a kid sort of person I was. Well, plus you were probably still on the journey of probably figuring out who you were too. So oh, absolutely. You're, so you're throwing, mm-hmm. you're throwing an, another life into that that you actually don't even know what your life is. And mm-hmm. and I, you know, I went through that. I've gone through that with my own parenting yeah. sure. problems too, man. Yeah, it's like you don't you don't know until you make a mistake. Oh shit, that's what my mom used to say. Or my dad used to say, right? It's like, yeah. And uh, my mom's, my mom's go-to was always if, like, if, well, well, okay. Here's an example. Now we're going back in time to when we're all little, at probably seven, and we're up early in the morning playing. On Saturday morning, we're just messing around in the living room. And my mom also had fearsome migraines. Um. And so, and we're just jumping around. We we had this game. We call it the alligator alligator swamp. And we take the cushions off the couch and we put them on the floor. And we'd have to jump from cushion to cushion. And one person was the alligator. It's basically like tag in your living room, but it makes a lot of noise. And so we were playing the alligator game, jumping around on these cushions. And she came down and said, "If you don't stop, I'm going to kill myself right now." She said, "Come out here and I'll show you how we'll do it." And Jesus. so she she went to the kitchen, opened the oven door, stuck her head in. She said, "I'm going to turn this gas on if you kids don't be quiet right now." Wow. Yeah. And um, are like, you close with your siblings no. now? No. 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 I'm I'm in effect an only child. Well, my brother's dead. My sister's in a in a she's not in a facility anymore, but uh, she has been. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, now actually, she's doing good. Um, but there were a lot of, a lot of trouble. My dad and my brother were physically really sick. Uh, my dad, my both my dad and my brother were hemophiliacs, and my dad died of his third heart attack. My brother died of his first. His son died of his first at nineteen, and they're all widow makers. Jeez. Yeah. Sometimes I think, man, I look around and go, damn, I'm still alive. How cool yeah. is it? Yeah. Um, but it was uh, it was interesting, to uh, to uh, to say the least. An interesting way to grow up. So now, how did that shape the direction that you would take later after the military? And and mm-hmm. into the military and actually and- in the military. Um, I, I skipped over a little part. Do you mind if I go back? No, bit? absolutely not. They give you this test, the ASVAB test. And part of it is competencies. Part of it is stuff that you know. It's like a general knowledge test, like the, the SATs. It's like that. And some of it is like, what would you be good at kind of thing? You know, what are your skills? And then they, they back, even back then, they ran all the... Excuse me. They ran all the results through a computer, and they come up with a job that you'd be best suited for. And in my case, it was it was two. It was two jobs. Just one called a GS and one called an RP. Well, everyone knew what a GS was. That's the guy that that takes care of the the back then gas turbine engines were a big new thing in military ships. So they didn't have to light up the ship six or eight hours ahead of time to get the boilers going to get the steam so they could go out to sea. But it meant you had to be in the basically the uh, in the inside the ship in the engine room all the time, and the other one was RP, and, and nobody knew what that was. Nobody in my recruiting station knew what it was. The guy that gave me the test said, "I have to call and find out what this is." <laughs> well, it turns out that in in a couple months before I went to take the test, they'd invented this this new job. And they're identified by these letters. And some some of the branches service there's an MOS. And you get a military occupational specialty with some numbers after it. In the Navy you get letters. And they're like basically like you're an RP, you're a BM, you're a bosun's mate, or you know, you're an ET, you're an electronics technician, that kind of thing. Um, so mine was RP and everyone thought that was the guy that packed the parachutes. But it turns out that's the PR, the parachute rigger. And what the RP does then was work in a chaplain's office, which you talk about, you know, helping and pleasing people and all that. And I said, well, that's a perfect job for me. And the guy said, I have no idea what they do. And I said, I don't care. Sign me up. So I signed up and I was like the fifth guy in the Navy that had that job. 
So is that like a, a religious program? Is that what RP is? Yeah, RP, RP stands for, there's actually three letters in the name, religious program specialist and RP. So they, instead of doing RPS, they call it RP. And huh. um, yeah. So yeah, it was, um, so I was like one of the original, original folks that did that. Um, I mean, they had other people that were admin folks before that did it, that helped worked in the chaplain's office, but this is the first time I ever made a real specific job out of it and gave it the letters. So it was its own job. I think I was number five, yeah, five or six wow. in the Navy. Yeah. When I got out, I still was like one of the most senior people that always been that job. Hopefully um, they still have this position or? Oh yeah. Yeah. They still yeah. have it. Actually, it's pretty useful. I had to rewrite the training for it. That was kind of cool. That's actually how I got interested in education. So I helped rewrite the training curriculum for the for the job um but yeah so i went to the i went to a bunch of training I had to go to mississippi I had to go to a bunch of places and have this training and i wound up on a ship in san diego <clears throat> well actually i had to fly to to the philippines to get on the ship but when i got there nobody knew what i was supposed to do i mean nobody knew what i was supposed to do so i just said whatever was interesting to me in the way of social programs or people services i said oh that's that's what that's one of the things i'm supposed to do so that's what i wound up doing was awesome <laughs> so you've been in support pretty much uh most of your life is what you're mm -hmm. saying gotcha. yes i am um you know, by the time i got my i was in my the end of my second enlistment and my boss called me into his office and he always called me my friend he was a captain and so that's that's a pretty high rank in the Navy, it's like a colonel. He said, my friend, I'm happy to write you an awesome evaluation so you can have your next enlistment. He says, but honestly, I think your time in the Navy is done. And he wasn't mad at me, he just said, you've got things to do and, and they're not these things. He was very upfront with me, I like Wolfgang. I really appreciated it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and he was kind and he would have written me a stellar eval and I could have gone on to, you know, make chief maybe or have a career and he said you really you need to think about something else so um through a kind of convoluted process i wound up getting my masters and then the courses for my teaching credential and so that's what i did for the next 20 years after that i was a teacher and a administrator after that <laughs> yep and in that time i met a lot of kids who um, and a lot of adults, because when you're the counselor in the school, you're the counselor for everybody, uh, not just the kids. Um, right. Who had, who had troubles similar to what I had had. Obviously, they're not the same. You know, there's no, there's no point in you saying, but at least I could understand some of the things that were going on in their lives. And so I got to do that for, well, for 20 years. Wow. Now, was a, a social worker? Is that what that position was or no really i was the like the guidance counselor in the school okay except i worked in a really small school so you weren't just the person i hope kids you know do their admin essays for college but you know you helped them i mean i lived i worked in schools that were that were pretty small and kind of maybe on the on the lower side of the poverty scale so kind of like a lot how i grew up gotcha yeah and one school, I had kids that would walk home, even though they could take the bus because they didn't want to see them, that they were squatting in a house in the desert with no running water, no electricity. Um, so it was a lot, of, a lot of kids with tough stuff, tough lives. But I had some experience. And so I, I want to believe that, that that helped. Not in a didactic way. You don't have to do this, 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 and this. But um, in a way that you actually... There is something you can do with your life, even though things might suck right now. There really is something you can do. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's hope, man. That's what that yeah. is. That's that's. Yeah. I mean, that's the real. That's the one of the truest gifts that you can give anybody is that you yeah. can even just hold that space and give somebody just yeah. a little bit of hope. And that's wow. it. It's like holding a space. That's what it is. There's a kid in my first class. Not a kid anymore. Grown lady uh, works as a math teacher up in Irvine and uh, a couple other people have really been really successful and just a lot of folks that are are 
um, have actually good lives. And I play a part of it. I would say just because of me, that isn't what I mean. But but I know that I that I helped along the way, and I think that's okay to say that you helped because, you know, I think that's okay to say that. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely yeah. it's okay to say it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. definitely okay to say it. You can and you have, and there's no yeah. doubt about it. I have no doubt about that. I, yeah. Well, I'm not that guy who's going to be in Ellen, and you know they dial in to where Ginny goes or whatever that lady's name is. Jenny or Jelly or whatever the lady that goes to the places and they're all jumping up and down because you get a new TV. But oh, yeah. That's no, not me, I get but that. it's all like this stuff that just really works every day. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And so I've been not teaching for 12 years. And so, so now I'm a writer and uh, that's pretty cool too. Excellent. Um, yeah, now, do you totally write fun. about your stories? Do you I write do. your stories? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I have some of them. Um, not, not all of them, but some of them. Now, um, where are you writing at? I write. I publish mostly on a on a website called Medium. Awesome. I'll make sure that's in the show notes. Yeah. yeah, I can send you my link afterwards yeah. if you want. Yes. And I'm it's a it's a that. it's a subscription site. So let me I'll send you the link that you can read. Anybody can read them for free if they want. Okay. Um, awesome. But yeah, some of the things, and um, I mean, it's not that I always write about that. That isn't what I mean. But um, because I don't, but I have written about it. That that's kind of helped me a lot process the things that actually happen. Um, but I'm not. I mean, I'm not sad about my life. I actually am doing really well. <laughs> Good for um, you. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. Uh, Maybe an A plus, but at least a B minus. Ah, yeah. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> nah. <laughs> but yeah. You know, but it actually, sounds like it sounds I, like I, you've I, been able to actually put some of your uh, skills to good use and and yeah. and help others. I have, and I mean, I know what I have because there's just sometimes you're talking with people and they're having a hard day, and you just, you know, it's not that you tell them, oh, my story is exactly like yours. It isn't like that, but you'd say, and I've got some experience that, that might be helpful. Do you, do you mind if I share this with you? And maybe you'll see some hope in it. I mean, there's ways to do that that are not telling. There's a lot of, uh, like on the internet, there's a lot of personal development, and there's a lot of telling. Do this, do this. Here's your checklist of 10 things oh, to be an okay. awesome human being. And, and so there's a lot of telling. Um, there's very little... There's a lot of coaching, but it isn't really coaching. It's really classes. Um, now, so I got no issue with what people do. I'm just saying most people need a little more than that. What What's the word you would use instead of instead of telling? Oh, I think it is telling. I didn't mean to say that it wasn't. Oh, I mean, they call oh, okay. it coaching, but it's really telling. No, it just you're sounded saying, like you... You're saying that they're telling people what to do. Tim's asking yeah. you if there's a better way to do it, what would you call right. it? Oh, there is a better way to do it, but I don't think you can do it in the canned internet version. Oh, I, oh, I, I that, don't think okay. that's possible. That's I think oh, people right. I think actually, frankly, I think people have to have to they have to want to search and they have to be willing that when they find something to go, Well, this is it. Now, granted, this was my experience find something and then you just it resonates in your heart and you go, I have to make this change. I have to do this. This intuitively sounds like the right thing. I'm in the right place at the right time, but it's astounding when you're willing to be in the right place at the right time, how many times the right place at the right time show up. Well, you and, have to be willing. You have to be willing. That's, yes. the, that's the most important mm -hmm. part of all this. Yeah. There's no recovery without willingness. Absolutely. And there's no recovery without self-responsibility. Right. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah well said. Yeah, but if you're not, if you're not willing to take responsible for yourself and your decisions, doesn't mean you can't ask for help. Shit, I ask for help for people every day. But you got to be willing to go. Can you help me? And a person goes, Yes, I can. Here's here's what you could do. You you can't go. Oh yes, but instead, blah 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 blah, which is what nine times out of ten people do, or they they argue with a the person they already asked for help. Well, that's not going to work. Well, they're also yeah. regurgitating a lot of the same things. Yeah, and, and, and we've—I mean, I, I, between absolutely, 
Tim and I, between the two of us, have read so many damn books in the last yeah. couple of years and, and shared yeah. notes. And it's just like mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's saying the same thing, basically. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, I mean, granted, people resonate with people differently. And oh, absolutely. Get different absolutely. energy from different people. So something sure. that you may have heard a hundred times from others mm-hmm. may not mm-hmm. down the way it does coming from somebody that you really want to hear it from. And, and sometimes it takes 101 times. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's that hundred and or that hundred and second. Yep. So Michael, we yes, always sir. finish up the podcast with three questions for our sure, guests. Sure. And I'm gonna have Tim start this okay. with, uh, with the very first question. Oh man, I question. should have been taking notes so I know it was gonna be on the test. Yes. Oh all right. Where'd Tim go? I don't know. He's mysteriously vanished. Yeah, He's sorry, finding what? the question. He dropped the question on the floor. That's what happened. It was the $20,000 question no, and he dropped what, it. What happened? I missed I my, yeah. my, my earbud fell out. Oh, you were supposed to ask the question. The first question. Oh, the first question. The first question. Oh, okay. Michael, do you have a favorite or least favorite word? Productivity. That's my least favorite word. That's your least favorite word. Yes. It's it's what it's what people do when when they they think they know the answer, but there's no heart in what they do. It's really uh, it's really efficiency. That's really scientific management. It's really uh, people think the more things they do, the better off their lives will be. Instead of thinking, I need to do the right things so my life will be better. They figure I've got so many things to do in a day. I have to figure out how to do this and and drink my protein drink when I run my Peloton and and learning Spanish at the same time. It's like no, <laughs> come on, you know there's people that do that. You know they yeah. are. You can oh, do yeah. it in the ads yep. on the TV. Yep. And I mean, if they're, they're on they're, TV, then it must yeah. be must be good. It must be true, or on the internet, yeah. it must be true. Yeah. I mean, they're sucking down a, a protein drink. They're watching the Peloton person, and they're looking at your phone at the same time. No, that, and they think they're being productive, but they're really being broken because they're not concentrating. If you concentrate on what's important to you, but you have to know what's important. Productivity is a way to put a Band-Aid on that need to feel something important and makes you feel good. Even though when you're done, all you got is gold stars and you don't remember why you got them. All right. So that's, wow. that's my least favorite word. I, I, wow. I forgot to preface this interview with saying I'm a fairly plain spoken kind of fella. We like that. We like that. <laughs> yeah. And we like to keep Sorry. it raw here. That's what yeah. it's all about, yeah. man. It's all yeah. about the realness of it all. Then, then, well, do you have a favorite word then? Love. I think. Um, I think if you if you love what you do and are willing to love yourself, which almost nobody is willing to do, because they've been taught to criticize themselves, and they think there's there's goodness in criticism, um, um, but instead of loving yourself, wow, I didn't do that so good this time. I wonder what else I need to do so I'll get better. That comes from a position of love. Criticisms, <laughs> you didn't do that. What the hell's the matter with you? And a lot of people pass off criticism for uh, the attention that they really need. And so love is my favorite word. Sweet. All right. So this one's my question. So yes, sir. I, I'm a big animal person. So no. I ask dog, cat, or other. Hmm. You only get one? Oh no! You know, whatever you have, whatever you like. If you have a pet, if you have ten pets, I it does. I I just we only have a kitten now. Oh okay. We've, oh, we've I, got we've got we've got two cats, Inky Cat and Rico. Both were ferals that we that we rescued to come inside. Uh, we had a, a collie dog, and his name was Clancy, but he's been passed on now. Wow, almost six years. But still, you know, every once in a while we'll like almost hear him in the house, you know, or because he was oh, such a yeah. part of our life for so long. Um, and um, but right now it's it's Inky Cat and Rico, and both are very very lovable little creatures. They don't like it when I put my shoes on to leave. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, awesome. oh, Mom, Mom, why is Dad have his shoes on? Where's he going? What's he doing? 
Uh, and it, means, yeah, it doesn't matter if I got to be gone ten minutes to the CVS. You know, it, it doesn't matter. Sure. They still like their eyes are big, and they're always happy when they come back and eat extra scruffles. You know, scruffling head, you know, petting on the head. Absolutely, man. There's nothing like that unconditional love from that. Absolutely, and that's it. They do. They don't. Whatever kind of day I'm having, they still like me. That's right. Yeah. And they still make you like you. Oh, and you know what? It's really helped a lot. I, I didn't realize how much I was scarred until I began uh, peeling off the scar tissue. And then it got hurt all over again. But um, you have to be willing to go that and really, I was tough. I was wicked tough for a really long time. Uh, now I'm not quite so tough. I'm more determined. And, uh, and I actually feel things instead of not feeling them, which is, I think, part of the goodness of life. Sorry to get away from dogs and cats there. Didn't mean anything. But the, the cats really help with that. They don't that's, want anything except a little scruffle or a snuggle with you. Sure. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. Well now said. last question, Tim. Yes. Last question. Uh, if you could do anything for mental illness, mental health, with with no um, no barriers, what would it be? Take away the requirement that it belongs with your health insurance. And you can only have so many sessions at a time before you either have a pronouncement or you have to pay on your own. Now those six or four or six sessions that um, so you wind up with people who are trying to do good work in the world, but only in six hours of right. session. So if I was change anything to that, I would change that, that people could have whatever it was they needed for as long as they needed until they were better. Excellent. Well wow, said. Well said. Well said. That's awesome. Michael, thank you so much for being on the show, man. We appreciated it. We appreciated you coming on, sharing your story, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, thank you, Michael. And, yes, uh, and I'll make sure that I put all your information out there so people can find you on sure, Medium sure. and uh, if they're if, if they're part of Medium or if they want to sign up to be part of Medium. Yeah, and yeah they can do find that. That's, a, that's a thing. Yeah. yeah, excellent. Thank you so much, man. It's been such a pleasure talking to you and a, an amazing meeting you. Um, I, I thank Patty McQuaid out there for oh, yeah. for, for putting us in the path together. She's she good uh, folks. Yeah, she is. She's a good person, man. She really is. And uh, I thank her very much for uh, putting us in conversation together, man. And uh, it's been a sure. pleasure meeting you. And thank you for having you. Have, thank you for coming on. Absolutely. And uh, so until next week, everyone, thank you very much for listening to another episode of Above Ground Podcast. So until next week, be well. Be safe. Be above. above.